0: Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel and the podcast. How you doing today? We're going over what should be our final must-draft running backs. And when I say should be, it's because we've done one updating about each month, every four or five weeks, because, you know, even in an offseason where there's not a preseason yet, and there's not camp and all this stuff, except for right now, starting up a couple weeks of camp with none of that stuff, right? We've been able to still have enough news that it's it's altering things, right? Damian Williams news. You have guys holding out, whether it's just because of COVID, guys getting actually injured now, guys getting cut from teams, guys getting added to teams in the forms of veteran running backs, Lamar Miller, Don't think that matters too much, the LaShawn McCoys, right, the Carlos Hydes, all these types to guys so it does change backfields and then offensive line play is always going to so those holdouts on offensive linemen and that's going to be impactful especially if you look in denver which juan james holding out that's a big deal for a running back in melvin gordon and things like that and how it's going to affect maybe some of our expectations and rankings of players so i'm going to be here again the must draft, must own, whatever you want to call it, running backs for the 2020 fantasy football season. We filtered it down. You can go back four months ago. I think we shot one in April, shortly after the NFL draft, maybe even in March. I don't even recall. They've done one like every five weeks to update you. This is going to be our final one, and I'm expecting it to be the final one. Fingers crossed. I'm going to talk about three specific running backs, and then I'll give a couple of honorable mentions for the road. Now, when you look at the guys on my screen, if you're watching on YouTube, this is just the player profiles on my on my site, the, the Supreme Draft Guide. If you want interest in this, it's just $10. If you sign up through a month. Nike, Fight promo code Sal NFL. That's S A L NFL, all one word on monkey knife. There's a link in the description below to take you there. They'll give you $10 to play in a site. If you put 10 in, they'll give you five extra dollars. They'll give you a ticket to play in a future contest. And then they'll give you the Supreme draft guide. So it's like a $50 value for 10 bucks, yada, 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 whatever you want to say for the promo read type stuff. But at the end of the day, you get the Supreme draft guide for about a third of the price and you get other perks from Monkey Night Fight, which is a prop betting spot where you can play, put a player prop on whoever you want. You just have to play $2 in contests, which if you watch my NBA videos, or you just read Reach out to me and say, hey, what should I put this prop on right now? I got your draft guide and I got some money. I just got to put something on it. Reach out. I'll try and help you out with that stuff over on Monkey Knife Fight. But That is how you can get the Supreme Draft Guide. Before we get into this must draft running backs for 2020, the final, the season finale, hit that like button for me appreciate your time right now. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Hope you're enjoying the day, your week, your weekend, whenever you're watching this, you deserve this time. This is for you. And big old subscribe button pops up on the screen. That one's for me, if you could in the bottom right hand corner of the YouTube video, or on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, hitting that subscribe button and the follow button if you're listening on a podcast really does help the content reach more people, whether it's from a rankings on podcasts, or whether it's just putting it in front of more people on YouTube here, if you're watching in the video format. So thank you so much in advance. Appreciate you all. You all rock so much. I cannot wait for this Season. We were just literally like weeks away at this point. And with all of that said, the drum roll please if you will a couple of knocks it's probably going to blow up my microphone when the post editing and the first profile that i would reference from the supreme draft guide today a little sneak peek for all of you in the guide is not only these profiles but rankings top 150s key stats databases all those types of things tiers right everything that you're used to using for a draft except the best out there but now miles sanders if you're looking at him must draft running back in my opinion right now but look now he's currently going instead of getting him at the end of the second round where i think the first video that we did i think he might have been in that one as well he's pretty been a staple point through all of them now you're gonna have to get first round capital on him. But I'm fine with that because of the upside that Miles Sanders has. With Clyde Everett Taylor moving into the first round, with people still willing to take Dalvin Cook, with Joe Mixon's holdout concerns kind of going away, with Derrick Henry still being a huge force and a leading rusher last year and leading attempts type of a guy, it's going to stick with a lot of people. Miles Sanders on a lot of drafts, although his ADP and the higher stakes and where a lot of the professionals are drafting is going to be somewhere around like a top 10 or top 12 pick, you're not going to be drafting with a bunch of professionals. I think that's where the fantasy football industry and all these gurus and every... single analyst who looks like the exact same person on Twitter just posting a clip of stats, right? Uh, And I get it. It is very helpful. But every single person just uses the ADP as if it's going to be every single person's draft and every single subscriber's draft. No, like, I understand drafts. I do drafts with my family. My dad still takes Aaron Rodgers in like the first or second round. Obviously, that's not going to be every single case when you're playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars, although we were playing for hundreds and thousands of dollars. But that's a different story for a different day. I think Miles Sanders in a lot of drafts, yeah, he's going to go in the first round in some, especially if people are tuned in and they're able to get him on the turn. I think that's where he's going to go more often. He'll probably slide into the second round, first couple of picks. Pretty often in a lot of your drafts, on average, out of the people watching this, he might drop if it's a 12-team league to the 14th, 15th spot, when really he's he should be taken in that first round pick, right? The eighth pick overall, where people are probably taking the Kenyan Drakes, probably taking the Nick Chubb's. I'm fine going and just getting Miles Sanders in that situation if you want to. It's always open to debate to who specifically the guy is, but I'm fine there. In 2019, he only played on 53.7 percent of the snaps. We know what he did though. He was a rookie out of Penn State, coming right out, right behind Saquon, his buddy who he got to train with and still trains with out there, and he possessed a lot of similar skill sets. There was concerns about running in between the tackles, but very good pass catchers, and that's what you were able to see last year. Fumbling concerns. Turns for sure last year for Miles Sanders was something that did spike at times, but overall, nothing that really, really damaged him. Ended up producing 179 attempts for over 800 yards, six total touchdowns. And this son of a gun caught 50 balls on 53% of the snaps because, you know, Jordan Howard was there. And if we just look and quickly go on the YouTube video and zoom in on the backfield competition for this team, I mean, last year you did have Jordan Howard. He's now gone. If I zoom all the way in here, he's now gone. He played 44% of the snaps last year. He ended up having 119 carries and he also caught 10 balls. Nothing major in the reception department. That's why Miles Sanders was such a beast. And the fact that they didn't really have any wide receivers last year, which as the year goes on and as the offseason goes on, probably not going to have Alshon Jeffrey or Goodwin opting out of the season because he had a newborn baby due to COVID. Totally respectable, totally responsible, probably. So uh, they're losing wide receivers as it goes. They still have starters and enough guys with all the guys they drafted. But 14.8 touches per game now gone for Jordan Howard out of this backfield. So situation where Miles Sanders obviously has the upset. And we can just talk about some of those games in which Miles Sanders started to see. And last year, when he started to really pull away, just other categories, categories that are 11 before we get right into that. Last year, Miles Sanders, the Philadelphia Eagles, seventh most run plays. He was 36 in red zone rushing attempts, seventh in running back receiving yards. That's pretty much a satellite back for like 50 to 70% of the season, 12th in receptions, 13 in targets. He ran behind the number one rated run blocking unit. So that's definitely due to regress. But again, his strength is going to be on the outside, not in between the tackles as much and obviously catching the ball. If he gets the role that we're expecting him to get, at least that I'm expecting him to get 50 receptions as like a 50% back last year, there's an upset for Miles Sanders to obviously hit that 80 reception mark this year if not more if he hits the ceiling it could be way more than that honestly he can push towards the Austin Eckler type role in the receiving game for his team if he starts to see those six to eight targets a game and really is a weapon and a threat like your Alvin Kamara's like your obviously Christian McCaffrey's like Aaron Jones was at points last year when Devontae Adams was not on the field important to note that Jason Peters did resign with the team after originally maybe threatening some sort of retirement resigns with the team after Brooks gets injured and is out for the season so they do replace Brooks with just Peters coming back so the offensive line in general will be a little bit Knocked down this year. It did add some depth in the NFL draft. If I zoom in on their team additions and subtractions right here, you can just see that they ended up getting Jack Driscoll in the fourth round at of offensive tackle, and then Prince Diego, one-oh-go in the sixth round as well. Overall, though, no real ads. This right now, if I update the screenshot, this update right here, Marquise Goodwin, he's technically going to be a subtraction from the team or you can just take him off since he never played a snap for the team because of the holdout from himself. But if we were to just look at what Miles Sanders was doing last year and just overall like snapshot, right? I mean, he came out his first week as a rookie and he played 55% of the snaps. So that was very good to see. But then he didn't clip 50% of the snaps until yet again, week seven in Dallas. And then he doesn't do it until his huge stretch down the final end of the season, starting in week 11 against New England, 88 and a half percent of the snaps, 91% of the snaps, 92, 55. 71.8 80 percent and then the final week versus the Giants 32 percent that 32 percent final week against the Giants he did come out in the second half due to some lower body injuries pretty much Boston Scott got more workload those weeks the workload also started to increase for him as well 88 percent of the snaps in that first week 11 game against New England a very tough matchup he sees 15 opportunities he then sees 17 opportunities 22 opportunities 19 right 25 26 opportunities so they started to really pick up as he became a workhorse for the final month or so of the season you can see right here in his 2019 stats 14 point three touches per game went to 19.6 his final six games keeping in mind that his final game on the year he only saw 14 opportunities in 12 touches because he only played 32 percent of the snaps due to missing like most of the second half coming on and off the field due to an injury because that's important to keep in mind because if you factor out week 17 and only look at weeks 11 through 16 which is a six game sample now you're going to get miles sanders if you just take out that final week of the year and put in his week 11 performance he's going to be averaging closer to 20 plus touches per game which is very important and very insightful and in these games the PPR monster in himself started to come out you ended up seeing during the final month or so of the season five four six five receptions in those four weeks obviously very beneficial from a fantasy standpoint so Miles Sanders is a guy that yeah I'm not expecting 20 plus touches per game out of him although if his receiving role does become four to five receptions a game it's very likely especially in the game scripts that we're thinking for Philadelphia an improved defense and definitely an improved secondary adding Darius Slay who I think is going to be a big piece for them but also was outside the top 100 cornerbacks last year I think it's just going to be an improvement from what they had but don't don't get a twist that Darius Slay is not the the same Darius Slay that you're thinking of. He was very bad last year, and a lot of people think that he wasn't. And then they're also adding Nicole Robbie Coleman in the slot, probably the best addition of the entire offseason, in my opinion, for any team. A $1 million contract to improve their slot cornerback position is very good. The backfield competition is the thing that you have to worry about. Everybody's waiting for a veteran running back to sign here. I don't care if Devonta Freeman signs here. Why am I going to be worried if Devonta Freeman signs with the Philadelphia Eagles? Boston Scott is a better running back than Devonta Freeman. So Devonta Freeman's very inefficient ways after injuries and after just being, I mean, injured the last two years is the big thing. And not being productive the last year and a half to two years because of those injuries and just old age. Why am I worried about that behind Miles Sanders when there's actually a productive back behind him last year in Boston Scott, who would actually probably, if anything, siphon off more more work. Look, Boston Scott's probably going to command 30% of the backfield hard touches overall and the snap share if there's no other running back started. I don't know why the Eagles want to grab another running back. They added Elijah Holyfield, who has no snaps in the NFL. They added another running back as their third string in Corey Clement. I think that's decent enough depth in my opinion. Boston Scott was somebody else who started to kind of break out a little bit down the stretch. Really week 14 was when he started him he he went from week 14 having 16 touches 13 9 and then the final week when there was no Miles Sanders when he got hurt and then limited he ends up seeing 24 touches and that's when he popped off he saw 24 total touches when you factor in four receptions 138 yards and three touchdowns that week he was the RB2 with 35.8 fantasy points but during that time he finishes a top five running back two out of his last four weeks in week 14 versus the Giants he had 128 yards on 16 total touches six of them were receptions so a very good pass catching back and he finished with 24.8 points which was fifth. So I don't know why the Eagles, or at least people are speculating that the Eagles want to go and get a backup running back. It makes no sense to me. It makes literally zero sense that they would want to get a backup running back in in the form of a inefficient veteran in the guys that were on the waivers in terms of LaShawn McCoy, who was at least a little bit more efficient, but LaShawn McCoy, uh, Carlos Hyde, all these guys, Lamar Miller, who didn't even play last year. And I think he's probably a cut candidate, even though he did sign with the Patriots. I think he's still likely to get cut. It makes no sense to me that you're trying to fill out a guy. And I guess he fits a similar mold to Miles Sanders because he caught six, seven, six and four balls to find. Four weeks of the season. So, yeah, this guy is definitely a weapon. This guy is definitely somebody you probably want to own. And if anything, he would be the only concern for me for Miles Sanders. I think the line's still fine. I think the defense is going to improve, which forces more positive game scripts. I think his reception upside of the 80 plus range is huge in a ceiling year. And I just don't think there's that much competition outside of Boston Scott, who I will mind you, he it was just one month of the season. It's a small sample. I think it's probably going to be good, but a six round pick out of Louisiana Tech is not the type of guy I think is going to surpass Miles Sanders, who showed his draft capital of a second round pick out of Penn State was definitely deservingly so. Oh, buddy, I know I'm going to get some backlash for this one. Number two, we're going to go with Leonard Fournette right now. So in some of my other videos, I haven't added him as a must draft running back, but based on the spot that you can get him in a lot of times, the fourth round, the drafts, the end of the third round, I do like Leonard Fournette. And this is crazy because Leonard Fournette might, might be the most polarizing player in all of fantasy football right now. From an analyst standpoint, half of like the good people that I respect in the fantasy community and listen to are completely off the boat on Leonard Fournette. And the other half of the people that I respect and listen to are completely on the boat. And honestly, the argument for the people that are on the boat and me analyzing this, trying to be non-biased, looking at every single player every year with my developing my own opinions and then seeing what others are saying. And I develop my own opinions that I like Leonard Fournette this year. And I'll talk about why in just a second. But looking and listening to the people that are actually making arguments for Leonard Fournette, they are all, in my opinion, statistic based. And I'm trying to be as neutral as possible here, but they're all statistic based. They all bring, I would say, just good food to the table. With the people who are against Leonard Fournette, there's some that are doing some very good things when it comes to what he was doing at the goal line. We can shout out some people as well throughout this video and how that was an issue but i look at that and just say regression if anything a type of back with his stature a type of back with his speed profile and just his overall profile as a college athlete and in the nfl and success normally in the red zone last year i'm not going to take that as oh he didn't do that great last year it's over it's overall over for this guy and then the other stuff just coming out about leonard Fournette is okay the team hates him okay so the team hates him that's why they don't pick up his player option which means now he's in a contract year this has happened with i don't know a numerous amount of other running backs that have had honestly success you look at guys like Marshawn lynch to an extent and just other players that have this opportunity now that know they're playing for their contract year in that year and have to do something if they want to get that huge second contract or just a second contract in general from the NFL that's at least worth something and then there's talk how they're bringing in Chris Thompson that's going to hurt his overall passing game role look so last year Leonard Fournette 92% of the snaps second amongst any running back behind Christian McCaffrey which was where he was a lot of the time his production profile was second behind Christian McCaffrey his overall opportunities second behind Christian McCaffrey he was overall fifth in receiving yards fifth in receptions with 76 and he saw 100 targets which was fourth I'm not saying that's going to happen again I understand that he's probably not going to see 100 targets again but keep in mind last year last offseason at this time he went to a deserted island and was training to get better his body and shape just one and two to become a better pass catcher and then he did exactly that so why now after another offseason off do people just think he's going to go back to instead of catching 75 plus balls which I don't think he's going to do this year why do people think he's just going to catch 35 balls this year all of a sudden he's going to be in that 50 reception range yet again as long as he stays healthy Chris Thompson is not a good football. Player, If you think Chris Thompson is still a good football player, you're probably just thinking about relative to other football players, that is, of course, relative to me, he's a fantastic football player, but relative to other football players, why would I be worried about a 30-year-old Chris Thompson, who the last time he played a full season was what, four years ago? Last year in 2019, he plays 11 games and he's highly inefficient. Chris Thompson averaged 3.7 yards per carry, right? His overall reception numbers, he ends up catching 42 balls for 378 yards. He was not an efficient receiver. He was not an efficient guy with the ball in his hands on the ground. He hasn't been, he hasn't played a full season because his body for the last, four years of his career has just been knocked up. He's not the same player that he is when he came out running a 447 and obviously being a very good weapon and often a nice flex option for you in your fantasy leagues when he was with the Washington football team now. So I'm not scared about Chris Thompson. So that's kind of putting that to rest. The whole notion that he's going to be uh, the team hates him. He might be a cut candidate. Look, if he gets cut, then we know that before drafts, right? But right now I don't see them cutting a guy who they're going to get one more year out of who they just milked last year overall for the touches, right? I mean, this is a guy last year who went for almost 350 total touches. Even if that regresses to 300, you're looking at a guy in the third fourth round that has 50 plus catch upside definitely in his back pocket if not more like you saw last year who has touchdown regression screaming his name where he was 50th in touchdowns last year overall with just three touchdowns even though his red zone opportunities were huge he was second in routes run behind only Christian McCaffrey last year I don't understand why people just automatically think he's going to go from second to now being like the 20th this is not touchdown regression this is a guy just being active in the receiving game and he was efficient in that department I mean he was overall eighth in yards created that's a very good metric to look at so when you're looking at yards created overall that's what he's doing after he has the ball in his hands, basically independent of the offensive line, which the offensive line also was not good last year, a young offensive line that hopefully ages and gets a little bit better. So when a guy is fourth in overall red zone touches with 54 and he has even more, he's top five when it comes to just inside the 10 and finishes 50th in touchdowns obviously there's something there that's going to bump up. So even if the receiving game numbers come down, I believe the touchdowns, if they go from three to six to seven, it's going to make up for a lot of that production loss in the receiving game. If we just look at what happened in the offseason for his team, that's going to be surrounding him pretty much for the most part, it was just Chris Thompson. They added in the NFL draft, a good amount of options. They added Ben Bartch in the fourth round, They added some other offensive weapons. These are all offensive weapons only. And then the big one was LaVisca Chenault. And I think LaVisca Chenault is one of the most talented receivers and underrated receivers that came out of this NFL draft up there with the guy and Brian Ed that went to the Oakland Raiders in terms of just underrated talent for where they went in the draft. And Chenault is sort of this gadgety guy, but I think a lot of people are just automatically assuming LaVisca Chenault's going to line up in the backfield and touch the ball eight to 10 times out of the backfield. And I don't even think it's that drastic, but look, when people are going to tell me uh, Leonard Fournette is not going to catch 76 balls this year. Okay. He probably, probably wouldn't have, even if they didn't add anything, but because Chris Thompson and LaVisca Chenault are there, I just kind of roll my eyes a little bit. Yes. If Chris Thompson catches his one to two balls per game and has 20 catches on the season and LaVisca Chenault has, I mean, he's a wide receiver, so he's obviously, going to catch balls. But let's just say he lines up out of the backfield, like the Packers used to do with Randall Cobb, like the Cowboys sometimes do with Tavon Austin, and LaVisca Chenault catches one ball a game out of the backfield. That's really going to be the reason that you think Leonard Fournette is a bust. That's going to be the reason because a rookie wide receiver is going to catch 12 balls out of the backfield. And that might even be a high number if he catches that many balls out of the backfield and carry the ball four times this year out of the backfield. Look, he can do end rounds all he wants, but taking direct touches away from Leonard Fournette, he's going to be taking LaVisca Chenault, let's just say a baker's dozen touches away from him, And that's me trying to be aggressive in that department. That's supposed to scare me off of Leonard Fournette, one touch a game to another guy. Isn't that what backup running backs do? Isn't that technically just taking the touches away from a backup running back, right? This is the whole Taysom Hill argument that Taysom Hill is ruining Drew Brees' upside. Is he really, though? Is he really with his six-yard reception or his four touchdowns on the season? Is that really ruining the draft capital of where you're taking uh, Drew Brees, right? Those types of things. I never really understood it. The backfield competition, yeah, you're going to have Chris Thompson there. Again, I'm not worried about Chris Thompson, or Armstead, who coming out of college, there's never been anything great said about him. He's never really had an opportunity in the NFL, former fifth round pick last year. And it's Devin Azigbo, who was an undrafted free agent and quickly cut by the Saints when they picked him up after the NFL draft in 2019. So there's really not much behind him. So you have a workhorse running back in Leonard Fournette who can catch passes, who worked on catching passes all of last season, who is due for touchdown regression, who is a very fast and talented running back. This is not a slow and old and fat running back like people are trying to stereotype him as. He's going to be somebody who is still in shape and still dominant. And as long as he actually is on the roster week one, and they don't cut him like some people are suspecting, which I don't really see the benefit in them doing that at this point. And Leonard Fournette, with likely an improving defense based on last year, naturally going to improve with some of their offseason moves, with a quarterback who's going to get better, meaning that you have more sustained drives, meaning that you're in better game scripts overall if your defense improves at least a little bit, is a good situation for him. Yes, I like Leonard Fournette this year because I like guys who are going to touch the ball three inch plus times, especially when I don't have to pay for first or second round capital on them. You can get Leonard Fournette at your third and fourth round turn. You want to take him in the beginning of the fourth round, end of the third round, I love it. If you want to take him in the middle the beginning, of the third round. Honestly, I like that as well. Leonard Fournette is my RB 15 right now, but based on his upside, his upside is a top 10 running back without question. If he gets the touchdowns, if Leonard Fournette is going to see an eight touchdown season and stays healthy, there's a very good chance that Leonard Fournette finishes as close to a first round capital type running back. Yes, that close to it because he's going to have 300 plus touches and eight touchdowns. That's going to be a first round caliber talent. And he's just not going to be drafted like that right now. I don't think he's a first round pick because that's his ceiling, but where he's going right now, I definitely want Leonard Fournette. He is our must draft running back. Uh, numero dos right now we now head over to our rookie player profiles to give you our match must draft running back number three and it's going to be zach moss right now zach moss is my rb36 in ppr format which is going to be well 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 ahead of what you're getting out of him in any type of consensus so technically for me he's been rb3 in my opinion which means that each week he could provide you in a standard 10 to 12 team league some pretty nice flex upside and flex appeal so he's a guy that i like a good amount you get zach moss drafted by buffalo in the third round pick 22 he's out of utah this is a guy who has a lot of upside and just fits the nfl bill bigger body guy can catch passes, can pass protect. He's elusive. So coming out, he does all these things that Devin Singletary does, except he's going to be likely a better pass protector. He's a definitely better goal back and bigger body. So he can do everything that Devin Singletary does and more. So there's definitely an upside for him at standalone value, but this guy can actually force some sort of committee here out of Devin Singletary, who yes, Devin Singletary was highly efficient last year on somewhat limited touches under 200 carries. But this team has already stated the second that they came out and drafted him, they said that in the post-game press conference of their draft of their picks for that day, they, ended up saying that our third round pick, Zach Moss, we want him to take on the Frank Gore role, which last year, the Frank Gore role was pretty damn big. I mean, Frank Gore is leaving behind 166 carries and 13 receptions and 26 red zone touches. He saw about 38% of the team's red zone touches last year. So if Zach Moss just comes in and takes on the Frank Gore role in the red zone of more than a third of the red zone carries, and then he's going to go around and get, I don't know, 150 touches everywhere else in the field total and see somewhere around 10 touches a game with red zone work. How is that not a very good option? How is that not a strong, strong arbitrary Two options: some weeks for your bye weeks, but also in your flex weeks, you're getting potentially ten touches with a better pass catcher. Obviously, a younger back. I mean, Zach Moss is coming in 15 years younger than Frank Gore. So when they say he's taking on the Frank Gore role, it actually means a better role because he's going to have all that quick twitch fiber in his body still. As just a 22 year old running back. So the positives coming out of college, there's a ton. You can see the list in green right next to me on the YouTube video. elusive He was one of the best elusive backs coming out. Which they also said about David Montgomery breaking tackles. So let's hold our horses. But what they didn't say about David Montgomery, very good in pass protection for Zach Moss and the big one, a pass catcher. He has a big body. Some of his highest upside in the draft, depending on where he landed is how I kind of profiled him out and him landing in Buffalo, in my opinion, a team that wants to run the ball behind a, in my opinion, an underrated offensive line that didn't do too much, didn't lose too much this off season for the most part. So I like it. I think that Zach Moss is a guy who kind of has this standalone value. And it's really hard to try and comp Zach Moss to another team or another player, because it's pretty interesting that you get the backup running back being sort of this, or at least profiled out now three or four times in the media, as the main primary running back in the red zone, obviously Josh Allen is there. Who saw a third of the red zone touches was five of five inside the ten yard line last year on rush attempts for hundred percent success rate. Those things are probably going to regress, but it's interesting to see that backup running back is going to be the goal line back, but also be used like another ten times per game. It's very similar to maybe Gus Edwards to an extent. Although Mark Ingram was always a primary back, you're obviously playing in Buffalo that had one of the best defenses last year. Even if they regress a little bit, I expect positive game scripts for an offense that wants to run the ball a good amount. You saw two hundred and thirty-five rushing attempts for over fourteen 1400- hundred yards and 17 touchdowns in his final year in utah last year he caught 28 balls on 29 targets he's had 28 plus receptions in his two seasons when healthy in college which was 2017 and 2019 he got banged up in 2018 and 14.5 yards per reception was a very efficient number for a running back so a lot of things to like if there's downsides to his game it's just the age he's coming out at 22 years old that's more so for the draft capital though for this right now for this specific year if you're playing season long and even in dynasty i don't worry about it too much that's more for this team he dances a little bit often which is going to happen when you're an elusive back and he's a little bit slower when it comes to his overall 40 times. His comparables coming out of college were Kareem Hunt and Monte Ball. Look, when people hear Monte Ball, they're going, oh, this guy's a bust. It's your comparables when you come out of college. That does not count anything that you did in college. So it's about guys trying to predict potential similar profiles out of college into the NFL. And you saw Kareem Hunt, obviously, very, very well when he came into the NFL. First game off the scene for the Kansas City Chiefs. So Zach Moss, for me, is a guy who has standalone value. That's why he's a top 40 running back for me. I can play him in the flex and actually have upside in him getting me a double-digit performance but then he has the ability, if he can just ball out and show out, to take more snaps away from a guy in Devin Singletary. And potentially, if Devin Singletary ever gets nicked up like he did last year for a month of the season, it's even better for Zach Moss. Last year, you had Frank Gorsing a 700-yard season and two touchdowns. He only had two touchdowns on 26 red zone attempts. Zach Moss, if he can actually produce a 700-yard season and four to five touchdowns and be a little bit more efficient, that's going to be a damn good season for somebody that you're taking in later drafts, later in the draft, maybe even double-digit rounds. Right now, going off the board, outside the top 40 in consensus, he's my 36 overall running back. So those are my three main must own running backs for the 2020 fantasy football season. Obviously, I like a lot of other guys, but those are the guys based on where they're currently going and how I want to build teams that I want to get to. Miles Sanders, Leonard Fournette, and Zach Moss couple of honorable mentions. The first one is Joe Mixon. We'll say a couple words about these guys and be on our way. Joe Mixon, look, improved offense, likely an improved defense for everything that they've done. Last year, they were down like four or five defensive backs, always using safeties as cornerbacks. It was just not a good look for them. And they obviously trailed in games. And even then, Joe Mixon was still able to be fantastic because he was the number one evaded tackles player because he was continuing to catch a ton of balls. And down the stretch, he really started to come on. He was seeing 15 touches per game the first half of the season. Then they have their buy, I believe, in week nine last year. And then he sees 24.1 touches per game, top three in the league. He was then seeing 54 yards overall from scrimmage, receiving and rushing per game. And then the second half, 124 huge bump, right? Doubled that number. And then some that was third most. And then he went from seeing 10 fantasy points per game, which was RB 41 to 18.2 per game, which was a top eight running back last year. His coach has already come out and said that he gets better as the season goes on. So they want to give him more touches in camp to kind of accelerate that type of format. They've already said positive things about him being a three down workhorse. Giovanni Bernard, who they did give a two-year extension for 9.7 million at the beginning of last year was mega, mega inefficient last year. One of the worst running backs, one of the worst backup running backs last year. He might even be a cut candidate in my opinion that contract that they gave him might actually save him for another year or so on this team not all of it's guaranteed of course for Gio, but it might save him concerns for joe mixon if any are the offensive line because it's not good they're going to get jonah williams back which should help this team overall so that's not good but he's kind of overcome that in a way in a lot of different ways he now has joe burrow who can check him out and put him in better situations overall and kind of maybe help the offensive line better than guys in the past did then the other concern was potentially that this guy might hold out those concerns are gone as he stated that he's not going to hold out and his agent said the same exact thing as they feel good about the contract talks with him and the team so biggest concern is the offensive line of course they added some help in the free agency department doing that they added some help later in the draft doing that but for the most part they're going to bank on jonah williams coming from last year but for the most part they're going to hope that jonah williams who was really banged up last year and didn't play at all can maybe help them this year and be a big piece and the improvement of their offensive line that's my concern as well that's why he's not any longer in the must running backs for sure but he's still like top eight running back in my overall running back rankings and i still already have a lot of joe mixon and we will probably get even more as the season goes on and then the final two that briefly talk about our chase edmonds the backup in arizona look you get a handcuff who also has this similar standalone value that zach moss does i think moss is a lot better because he already is kind of in line for the red zone work and then maybe eight to ten touches a game whereas chase edmonds might just be sort of a third down back maybe a four or five touch a game type of a guy but look kenny drake blew up last year and i like kenny drake this year but all we really saw was a five or six week sample if that's just a hot spring at the end of the season and then you get a little bit more of chase edmonds it could be pretty nice for chase edmonds who's definitely a late round running back option outside the top 10 rounds and then just Jarek McKinnon will be my final mention of the day. Very similar to the New England backfields in the past, and maybe even the Detroit backfields in some of the past years before Kerryon Johnson was drafted. I just want the cheapest running back, meaning where can I get him latest in the draft and get production? I don't want to pay Raheem Mostert, the biggest bust running back on my list this year, fourth round capital. I really don't want to pay six or seven round capital for Tevin Coleman, who also might just see 25 to 35% of the snaps. If so I'm going to pay for a guy who looks very similar to those two guys, if not better than those two guys, and is younger than some of them, <clears throat> Raheem Mostert at that point. Yes, I want Jarek McKinnon. A guy who they're saying looks good, is cutting, is coming out catching passes, and they're feeling really good about him, and he's going pretty much undrafted. If you're drafting in an 18-round draft, you probably get McKinnon in like the 16, 17 round at this point. So why not take that guy, right? This is the Rex Burkhead of the New England Patriots the last couple of years. You take the cheapest running back in the final rounds, and before last year when Rex got hurt, the years before that, he was productive for you. I like Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon is the latest running back that I see that can actually become a starter and finish as like a top 25 running back this year if everything goes well for him. This is a team that just tries to get running backs who can get to the edge quickly. They don't care about giving an extra million dollars to Raheem start That's not locking them in or committing them to him. Janahan wants guys who can get to the outside quickly and then turn upfield and get there quickly. That's going to be Jarek McKinnon out of any of these guys if he is indeed healthy. If you remember when he was with the Vikings, he was just home run hitting left and right as Latavius Murray was the bruiser there. So I do like Jarek McKinnon this year based on the fact that you get him in like the 16th or 17th round. So there you go. Miles Sanders, Leonard Fournette, Zach Moss must own running backs this year based on their draft capital. Honorable mentions, Joe Mixon, Chase Edmonds, and Jarek McKinnon. Go ahead, get those guys Fellas, fellows fellows ladies and gentlemen we made it the final edition of the must own running backs for this year i thank you so much for tuning into all of them and tuning into this one specifically if i can get you to hit that big old like button and the subscribe button before we go we were taking peeks at some of the profiles on the supreme draft guide today you can get all access to that like i said sal nfl s-a-l-n-f-l linked down below it's going to get you for ten dollars minimum deposit the supreme draft guide ten dollars onto monkey knife fight a prop betting site you get an extra five dollars for using my code and again the supreme draft guide and then you get a future ticket to another contest another prop bet that you could place so technically you get like 10 bucks or so added on so be sure to check all that out down below i thank you so much you can follow me on twitter at sal dfs if you have any other questions check out all the other videos there's going to be about a hundred of them in the fantasy football 2020 playlist that you can find at the end of this video will pop up or just over on the youtube channel subscribe and like before you go appreciate y'all more videos to come tomorrow the next day the next day the next day so stay tuned buckle up fantasy football the football season is just weeks away hopefully you dominate your draft i think you will. Well, especially if you got the Supreme Draft Guide, and I'll see you in the next one.